Howdy and howdy to everybody. So if you haven't put your cell phone on silent yet, you can pull it out and stomp on it repeatedly. That might help. Um, so we're going to, hey, uh, the effect is on. So um, we're going to spend uh, just a little bit of time this evening uh, singing four or five of the Christmas carols that we are used to, and then we're going to um, read uh, Luke chapter 2, the coming of our Lord, Christmas story, and then spend some time in fellowship uh, together. So uh, will you stand with me and we'll pray? And uh, you guys all know Kevin Russell, but it's been a long time since Kevin has helped us with music. So um, I was able to Shanghai him and uh, wrangle him into this for this evening. I'm very, very grateful. And uh, Kevin is going to lead us in a handful of the carols this evening. So let's pray and then celebrate our Lord's birth. Father, we are so grateful. Uh, I, I come to this place and I, I look around and, you know, uh, it, it could be easy for us to be discouraged uh, with how many faces are not here? But I know where those faces are. And they're with their family. They're with their friends. They're celebrating. And those of us that are available have come together and we're here to worship you. Lord, uh, Gary stands out very strongly in my mind uh, tonight as he has been through so much with COVID and diverticulitis and hospitalization, Lord. And I just lift him up to you again. And pray that you would touch his body and make him well and restore him uh, to fellowship with us. I know uh, he's as anxious as we are, as anxious as his wife is to have him back in our company. So bless our brother and minister uh, to him. Lord, receive our songs, receive our worship, pour your spirit out upon us and knit us together even more as a family. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Kevin, will you lead us in worship? All right. First one we'll sing tonight is O Come All You Faithful. Oh, come let us adore 
him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee, born this happy morning, Jesus, to Thee be all the glory given. Word of the now in flesh appearing, oh come let us adore him, oh come let us adore him, oh come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Angels we have heard on high. Good singing, church. Amen. Angels we have heard on high Singing sweetly through the night and the mountains in reply, echoing their breathy love. Oh, 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 Gloria in excelsis Deo. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why these songs of happy cheer? What great brightness did you see? What glad tidings did you hear? Gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Amen. Hark the herald angels sing. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy My God and sinners reconcile Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts roll clear. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn King. Amen. 
Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Held in flesh the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity. Pleased this man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give him second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King, born, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give him second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Amen. Joy to the world? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing Joy to the world the Savior reigns let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove. The glories of His righteousness And wonders of His love And wonders of His love And wonders and wonders of His love And wonders of His love And wonders of His love And wonders and wonders of His love Silent night. Silent night. Holy night. Ah, 
has come. All is bright round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly Silent night, holy night, shepherds quick at the sight, glory streaming from heaven afar. Heavenly host, sing hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face. With the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Lord, we thank you for this time to gather together. Father, just even though we're going through some dark times in our culture and in the world, we thank you, Lord, because we know that you do not lie and that you, uh, everything you have prophesied, you're pulling it off. And we're just, we look up in anticipation of our redemption of our bodies, Lord. We thank you, Lord, coming 2,000 years ago on a rescue mission. Bring us back to the Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to take a look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> so we've taken a look at some other portions. Um, and we will also... The day after Christmas, when we're here together, um, we are going to have uh, Christmas, uh, day after Christmas, Sunday service here. So um, we'll examine again 
some other details surrounding the coming of our Lord and the prophecy of the coming of our Lord. But uh, tonight I want to take a look at uh, Luke chapter 2 and uh, see the events that transpired there. Uh, I know uh, you, many of you are, are various, very serious students of the scripture anyway, but um, just always good to review and examine uh, the scripture and, you know, its pertinence to our lives. So let's pray again really quick, and then we'll uh, jump right into Luke chapter 2. Father, we are grateful that, uh, oh Lord, we are grateful that we have this place, and we are grateful that we have the freedom in this nation to meet together. It is, it makes us nervous, Lord, to see those freedoms being threatened, um, I, uh, I think of what Paul said uh, regarding communion and how sometimes then the body of Christ would come together and some would be gorging themselves and others would be starved and impoverished in that communion meal. And I wonder how much... You have looked on at the freedom that this church has had in America and how we have squandered it and abused it and neglected it, gorged ourselves upon it, while so much of your body around the world is impoverished of that freedom. And longing for the freedom that we have. The dwindling, the threat that I see is at least in part, if not entirely, because of the neglect. Lord, help us to be repentant people who honor your coming, honor your advent, honor your promises of return, and who are serious and dedicated and sober-minded about the hour in which we live. Bless our reading, teach us, instruct us, minister to our hearts. Lord, prepare us for tomorrow that our hearts would be worshipful of who you are rather than our being consumed with materialism that it would be a day focused upon you, who you are and what you've given to us. Minister to us now by the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Uh, it was widely criticized for a long time that uh, these events uh, weren't historic and that members of Christianity had just thrown these things together to sound like they knew what they were talking about. And as the passage of time occurred, sure enough, the archaeological digs and the scientific examination found that these events and these places and these occurrences really did take place. That the census was indeed taken and they found records of where it was taken and where people had to travel. All of this is history. And so very often the critics step forward and they, they mouth their great complaints until they're disproven. And then they just disappear. You can't find them anywhere. They never step back and say, our apologies. <laughs> we were out of line. We shouldn't have said those things. We have egg on our face. We're eating crow right now. If you could only forgive us. They never say that. They just move on to the next criticism. They move on to whatever thing will justify their own conscience. That they don't have to be burdened by the coming of Christ. Right? You know, there was a family here years ago. I made the statement that, you know, so often what the world does with Jesus is they, they want to keep him in the manger. You know, sweet baby Jesus, you know, just all the wonderful trappings of the manger scene and, 
you know, three wise men and just package it so that it feels very nice. And then you have to consider that Jesus later is saying, I didn't come to bring peace. And the world is astonished by that. Right? Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. How could you say, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And, and, and I, I made the statement that that's probably my favorite Christmas verse. <laughs> and people in this church actually made me a card and sent it to me. I thought it was really great. I think it should be reproduced. I did not come to bring peace. See, when he said peace on earth, goodwill toward men, uh, he said peace on earth to men of goodwill. There's a whole bunch of men and women who are not of goodwill. And there will be no peace for them, especially in regard to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to be conflict. It's going to be difficult. So here the census comes forward. The census first took place while Quinarius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was well, that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. All of the things we've examined many times, that must have been a really precarious journey to be in those final days of pregnancy where, you know, it really is sort of an astonishment when you see a gal who's right in those final days and you, you say things like, wow, you are great with child. You know, it just really is so tedious for them to be carrying that life. And, and this was a hard road of 80 miles. That was done on donkey and by foot. And you got to know, right, that she went from, no, I'll walk, <laughs> to I can't walk, I'll ride, I don't want to ride. I don't, you know, it just, it must have been just uh, such a challenge. You know, we, we, you know, we sang Silent Night. I bet there was a, a lot of screaming and howling, you know. To bring this child in the world, she wasn't spared the pain. She wasn't spared uh, the curse. The one who was coming was going to spare us all of the curse, but she had to endure the process of the greatly increased pain that was put upon her. We've talked recently about the betrothal and the promise come to her from the angel that had told her, that the Holy Spirit would cause her to become pregnant. Joseph, in his honorable position as trusting God and taking her as wife, that he was a man of noble cause and noble behavior. Uh, we honor Mary uh, because of uh, her position, her role, her response to the Lord. But then when we examine Joseph, you can say all of the same things in his role, in his actions, in his response. And even to the point that while Mary heard once from the angel who was the messenger of the Lord, Joseph had four separate occasions of receiving the message from the Lord. That clear conscience and constant fellowship that gives you that type of access to what the Lord has to say to you. No room for them in the inn, you know, giving birth in the manger. That's, you know, the usually the trough where the animals are fed. It, it probably was not the wooden, quaint little may hay manger we see. It was probably a stone vessel that they would give them water and give them feed in. Uh, many of us, when we had our first child, 
you know, the humble beginnings of the first apartment. And, you know, the kid gets to spend the first night in, you know, one of the drawers, you know, all padded and comfortable. You know, we have various stories. This one uh, arrives in some desperate circumstances. And uh, it's actually to a degree probably gracious that they end up in the manger, in the Koresh, as we refer to it. Because the inn is not like we would think of it. It was a common courtyard of inward-facing open stalls. It might have a fence around uh, the, the entirety of it. And ladies, who wants to give birth while half the community is present and observant, right? So there was no room. That, you know, the, the fact that they're in the barn is, is a matter of convenient inconvenience, but it also serves uh, to lend some privacy and allow for this child to come into the world, fulfilling uh, the scripture, wrapping the child in swaddling clothes. Verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds. Shepherds were disreputable. No one trusted them. And these were the guys that uh, probably had, you know, a rap sheet. Seriously. They, uh, they you know, were hard-pressed to find jobs elsewhere. They were usually, you know, harvesting fields and tending sheep and doing the jobs, or they were just bouncing around. They were usually weren't in constant employ. And uh, God actually puts in the law very specific measures of you're, if you're given 100 sheep and you're a shepherd and you only return with 99 of them, uh, then you have to pay for the one that's missing. Because frequently one went missing. You know, it's just who doesn't like lamb chops? Who doesn't? You know, I mean, if you're going to spend a few days out there, they literally would cash in. And it was part of the deal. If you're going to take advantage of the flock, if you're going to say it was killed by a wild animal, it's going to be brought in, torn to shreds. you got to show the evidence that it was torn apart by a wild animal. If it's just you shrugging and saying, I don't know what happened, then you're paying. It's coming out of your pay. You're not going to get that allotment. Why? Because they were disreputable. They, they were people that were untrusted. So unique that God chooses them to be his messengers. He doesn't look through, I was going to say the yellow pages. How ridiculous is that? <clears throat> he doesn't, when was the last time you had a phone book? You know, um, uh, he doesn't search the internet and find the, uh, you know, marketing company that has a five-star rating or a 4.5 or a 4.6 or 9. He, just, he goes to shepherds. And guess what? He's still doing that. He's still going to the people that the world would reject. And he's delivering his message to them and saying, I want you to take this too. So he goes to the shepherds. And uh, they were in the country, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Um, you're going to run into commentary that wants to use this statement of them being in the open fields to try and narrow the date as to when this, you know, actually took place. And we don't know. I mean, the shepherds were in the open field less frequently during certain seasons than they were other seasons, but it was very common to find them on the open field. So very hard to use that as some people do. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. They, they were crushed by the presence of this angel and uh, fear swept over their heart. The angel said to them, Behold, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news, the gospel of great joy, which will be to all people. What a unique statement, right? Because the Jews very much had this mindset of this is ours. This is Ours as a nation, as a people, as the sons of Abraham, as Jews, it belongs to us. You want a part of it. You've got to convert 
become one of us religiously, and then you can also participate in this. It's going to be for everyone. Everyone's going to experience this. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, God's timing, right? I mean, these people are in the right place at the right time to fulfill the scriptures. I, I suspect um, you have seen occasions where you're just thinking, I'm going to go take care of whatever. And the Lord is right there to show you, no, no, that wasn't even your idea. I put that in your head. It was several years ago now. I was here working, taking care of a number of things and paperwork and mailings and different things. And suddenly I just have this overwhelming sensation of I have put off mailing those letters forever. And if I don't go mail those letters right now, I'll probably forget and it won't get done. And, you know, people aren't going to get paid on time and I am going right now. And I grab the letters, and I walk out in the front of the building, and I get in my vehicle, and there's a young man who's just coming up on the driveway. And the Lord, I don't hear God's voice, but, you know, my heart and in my mind, I knew the Lord was saying, that young man right there is why you just got up out of your chair and came out here. So go give him a ride. So I drive up to the end of the driveway and put my window down as he walks up to my, I mean, the timing's that perfect. As he walks up to my side of it, he goes, hey, where are you headed? And he said, I got to go down to Barber. And I said, crazy, me too. <laughs> There's a post office in Bar Harbor, you know. So I said, I'll give you a ride. And he jumps in, and I usually wait until I'm up to speed limit so they can't jump out of the car. And I say, so, hey, what do you think about Jesus? And it was like I electrocuted him. Why do you ask me that? And I said, because the Lord told me to pick you up, and this is my whole motivation. You want to get out of the car, I'll let you out of the car. But I'm headed down to Bar Harbor. I give you a ride all the way, but we're going to talk about the Lord. And he said, well, it's interesting that you asked me that because that's why I'm here in this town. I said, really, what do you mean? He said, uh, my dad was a pastor, and he rammed it down my throat. And I just gently said, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, what do you mean by that? And so we talk. And it turns out, that this young man is arriving in this town that day as the prodigal son. And Bar Harbor is the pig pen. He has run from his father literally and the grace of God literally. And he's ruined everything in this wonderful opportunity to be a slave dishwasher <laughs> where he's going to spend almost all of his money on rent has come into his path. And I say, you can avoid the pig pen, man, by understanding that God put you in my path and that's how much he loves you. So we rode the rest of the way down, and he had some key questions about the Bible that he had never had answered, and that was his justification for re rejecting the faith that his father had built in him. His father was a good pastor. His father was a good dad and had done a great job. He kept those questions to himself. He never took them to his dad. And I answered them from the word of God, each one. I've never looked at it that way. Of course you haven't, because you didn't want to. And when we pull up in front of the post office, he 
admits he's willing to pray with me and surrender his life to Christ again. And he uses my cell phone and he calls his dad. And they actually make arrangements. He's only going to spend a couple days here and he's going to get on a bus and he's going home. This woman brought to this town on this specific day to fill God's purposes exactly as they're supposed to. That God that she serves is the God we serve. And he's, he's very accustomed to orchestrating circumstances like this. What he needs is a willing servant that will just respond. You know, give God permission to just kick your door down, right? You don't have to be like so finely tuned as a Christian that you just sense God in the airwaves. <laughs> he'll be as forceful as he needs to be. If you're thick as a brick, he'll barge right in. If you'll give him permission, if you'll give him permission to just reach into your life and do the things that he needs to do. And so here, comes to these shepherds, there's this babe that has been born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh, we could spend a lot of time just digging through these things. All that's being said here, Christ, makes me so aggravated to hear these wolves talking about how Buddha was a Christ. Oh, it just makes my skin crawl. Muhammad was a Christ. Are you kidding? There is only one Christ. That's it. You don't have an Islamic Messiah. There's no such thing. There is no Buddhist Messiah. There's only one Messiah, and that is the Christ, Jesus, our Lord. Our king and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Much better to do it now before you do it in mournful regret in his presence. Much better. There's one born to you, Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, this idea is very uncommon that clean linen rags cut or ripped into strips would be what you wrapped a babe up in. Um, you know, this gives us the sense of how abrupt and unplanned and how urgent this birth was. It's very clean. Very organized, very necessary in the moment. And then lying in a manger, lying in a cow's trough. This, that, wait, this, I mean, that's going to be unique to you to see this. Wherever in history it occurs, that's going to be unique. You know, maybe there's been a few babes in history. Maybe. But the number's probably incredibly small. And it's going to be very uncommon. It's going to be a sign to them that they're going to find this babe. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Okay, now, I made the point in Sunday last morning service that this passage does not say that the angels were singing. There's, there's no indication here of song or harmony or melody at all. No musical notation to this language whatsoever. Proclamation, saying, okay? Now, from there, there's a bunch of people that get all wiry and they're insistent that, see, you know, what a great gift we have. We can sing. We get to give praise and the scriptures and angels can't sing. Ah, that's not true. Uh, you know, I will insist that right here, they were not singing. And I find it very significant. Because the traditions of the church have developed this attitude that angels were singing. Well, look, 
if we sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing Tonight, uh, great. Okay? It's, we don't have to get all dogmatic, right? You know, dogs, dogs, uh, they latch on to something, and their method of killing is to thrash their head back and forth, right? Clamp onto the neck, thrash the head back and forth, right? And that's a part of what dogmatic means, is that you will latch onto a thing, and you're thrashing your head back and forth saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is my belief system. This is the way it is. Everybody must agree with me. You will just kill a thing in the process of doing that. We, let me just, you know, if it feels like too much of a rabbit trail, stay with me and hear what I'm saying. We don't want to drive people away from the faith by being dogmatic. Okay? Uh, at the same time, right, Ken Ham warned us years ago about making the presentation of the Bible where you've got Noah's little ark and the giraffe's head sticking out and you know elephants and you, you turn it into a cartoon so that it's easier to dismiss. Okay? We don't want to go too far in either direction with this. Uh, here, the significance and the importance of proclamation, right? There's a big problem within the church where people are fascinated with miracles and signs and wonders and they go from this church to that church and they pack all their junk and they travel over to Toronto and then they got to go over to Reddington and then they got to go down to Kansas City and they're, they're, they're all over the place trying to find the miraculous. And I say to you again, particular, you can take any one of the Gospels, but I would say to you, take the book of John and look at how many times John says that Jesus said... I must go and teach them, and I must go and teach them, and I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to teach them, and Jesus arrived and taught them, and on the Sabbath, he went in and taught them, and he taught them, and Jesus went and taught them, and it just, when you take the word study about Jesus teaching, it's, it'll exhaust you. You get feeling like, man, all Jesus' ministry was about was teaching, but um doom right? Jesus was about teaching. Miracles followed. Miracles happened, right? Hey, have you ever heard lyrics and thought they meant one thing and then discovered they meant something else, right? I always describe, I've done it, but I always describe my poor wife. We're in the car one day, just channel surfing through, and there's Steve Miller singing, Fly Like an Eagle. And my wife turns and says, she turns the radio right down and says, I've never understood that song. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would he want to do all those good, good things and then shoot the children? <laughs> you know, when Steve said, shoo the children with no shoes on their feet, my poor wife is like, why? They just don't have shoes. Why would you want to shoot them? You know, shoe the children with no shoes on their feet. If the angels were singing, right, there's perhaps a greater possibility of error. As the shepherds listen and one walks away thinking that the lyrics went this way and another one thinks the lyrics went that way and, you know, it was just the echoing in the canyon and the, you know, rustling of the sheep. And it, but when you speak with clear, concise words... And you say what needs to be said. Music has its place. And, and, and it's a prominent and an important place. Right? Open up the book of Revelation. See chapter 5 as all of creation worships our king. Music has a, a big significance. But the spoken, clear, concise word. Right? Notice John chapter 1 verse 1 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It doesn't say in the beginning was the music, right? And the melody was with God and the melody was God. It doesn't say that. Clear, concise communication is very important. Again, if you think the rabbit trail is too far, look how adrift the church is today. As the young people are just 
fascinated with, oh, what's the next album that's coming out? And, oh, what is this band doing? And, oh, and they don't even look into the doctrine. They're not even concerned about, do you notice that this wildly popular Christian band is singing to you about evolution and calling it Christian music? Are you hearing this? And they're not. They're not hearing it. The angels come and they proclaim. They speak. And the message is clear. It's wonderful that we worship. It's wonderful that we get together and we sing. The glory of God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Again, peace on earth to men of goodwill is what that said originally. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Sincerity goes a long way, doesn't it? You hear somebody tell you some wild tale and there's just something about their delivery that tells you, I don't know if I can trust this. Your baloney meters like tipping hard towards not so true. But then when somebody comes to you and they've been through an event that they're impassioned about and they just pour their heart out to you, whatever it is, right? You know, something they've purchased, something they've experienced, something they're enthralled with. When the sincerity can be heard, it sells you every time. These men come and their message stirs the community. They're untrustworthy shepherds that normally, you know, you'd huddle the kids up away from them. You know, close the door in their face and say, no, thanks. We're all set. But this rings true in people's hearts and they are astonished at the delivery because these men have really experienced this. Really experienced it. It's it's in their heart. It's in their mind. I have sat in many the sermon and walked away thinking that pastor does not believe that as much as I need to believe it. It needs to be that we have received these things from the Lord and our message rings true in people's hearts. So was Ben Franklin that was asked about going and hearing a local preacher in Philadelphia And his friend said, Ben, do you really believe all these things? And he said, well, I'm still working on that, but I go to hear the preacher because I know he believes all these things. I'm paraphrasing that, but you need to have a heart that is first yourself fully convinced. And these shepherds, had experienced the presence of the Lord's messengers and they bring it to them and it stirs the community. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And again, uh, Sunday morning I made the point that Joseph is the one who named Jesus. In this ceremony, when an illegitimate child was born and the father of 
or the husband of the bride was going to accept the child but didn't want to make the full claim as though that child were their own, they would allow the family or the mother to name the child. The angel tells Joseph, I want you to name the child Jesus. And when they come to this moment, Joseph is the one that names Jesus, claiming Jesus as his own, that he's going to render him and rear him through. you got to admire. you got to admire. I mean, we, we put a lot on this, and we're like, well, Jesus was, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit and God himself, and so clearly, you know, he would have turned out okay, no matter how bad Joseph was. Well, okay, I'll give you that. But how about uh, you also have the testimony of Mary and you have the testimony of James and you have the testimony of Jude that this man was exemplary in raising his family, that he delivered the gospel message to them, that he carried this child and protected and provided for. What's that got to be like to look at this situation and say, are you kidding? I'm going to protect and provide for the Messiah, the Savior of humanity. That's remarkable that the Lord would entrust you with that. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, even uh, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. And I will end with this verse. I know there's a lot more, but we'll end with this verse. And to offer the sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That is, um, it's actually profound poverty. If that's all you can bring, um, you could, you could, usually it was less than a nickel. It might cost you two sparrows, right? You could get two for a penny or half a penny. And, uh, you know, dove was a slightly more uh, meat intensive bird. <laughs> but you're, you're literally talking about, you know, spare change. You can buy this sacrifice with spare change. So uh, the point being, you know, in all of this, the Lord has chosen humble messengers to deliver his message to the whole world. The whole world. We place far too much significance on the things of the world. You know, your blog, your Facebook, your radio program, your television program, you know, that's how you're going to reach the world. It's not how these guys reach the world. They reach the world by experiencing what the Lord wanted them to experience, the coming of the Messiah, and then being faithful to open their mouths about that. The Holy Spirit did the rest of the work. The Holy Spirit did the rest of the work. If we are going to place the significance, look, don't get me wrong, radio, internet, television, all those things, the Lord uses that stuff. But if we have the mentality like, oh, I just need to get those things in place because then I could be useful to the Lord. These men did that without having any of those things at their disposal whatsoever. People are going to recognize in you the sincerity of your message. But if you keep that message in your own heart and don't let it come out of your mouth, then at best they're just going to walk away thinking, there was something different about that person. <laughs> they might recognize something, but it's not going to lead them to what they need. It was a worship band years ago uh, Darren McWater was the lead singer Darren uh, left that band actually the whole band left doing music 
and they uh, went to uh, Lake Hume and uh, became camp directors there and worship leaders there. Uh, the, the, the band's name was Everybody Duck. I would highly recommend that you, you seek out their music. Um, just solid Calvary verse-by-verse guys, really great messages. One of the songs they had was called Keeping the Cure in My Pocket. And uh, it's a story about uh, a man who was dying of an incurable disease, and the Lord cured him and gave him the cure. And then he went to visit a friend who was dying of the same disease, and he kept the cure in his pocket. Afraid, afraid for what it might do, afraid for how he might be treated, afraid. Fear allowed him to keep the cure in his pocket. We don't want to do that. You don't want to keep what the Lord has done in your life, in your family's lives, in your environment, in your situation, in your heart. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. It's got to come out of your life. It's got to come out of your mouth. It's got to come out of your person, most directly, most obviously, into the ear and into the heart and change lives. These shepherds, Mary storing these things up, sharing with Luke, and he records it and we sit here tonight and read it. It's changed lives. If Jesus... If the world around you is unaware of your relationship with Jesus, I would strongly encourage you to change that. Change it. Because it's the gift that the world needs. They don't need you and I to give them gift certificates or free lunch or you know all the different things that we do, wrap it up in a nice bow. It needs to be that the message of Jesus Christ's arrival is what we're sharing with the world. And as Kevin pointed out, it's a really scary world right now. A lot of people are filled with fear. Filled with fear. How about this, you guys? Um, statistics this past year, more people have downloaded version, the Bible app for their phones, around the world than the world has ever distributed Bibles in the past. And they keep track of the verses that they read and more people are searching you version of the Bible for references pertaining to hope and alleviation from fear than anything else. The world is primed for our message. They're longing for us to open our mouths and to share with them. You know, you get the impression, right? Because you you watch the news and hear some crazy, you know, anti-Christian person up screaming and yelling, making a fit, trying to change the laws, and you become convinced that's how most everybody is. That's that's how the devil is. Right? He tries to be spooky and he tries to be shrill and he tries to be frightening. He's a bully. He's a bully. And and by and large, right, there's a scared little kid's heart in everyone out there longing for somebody to come along and provide answers and provide comfort and be a protector for them. We need to open our mouths. We need to share with the world. We need to be encouraging, especially in the coming year. There's a great opportunity for us to deliver this gift of Jesus Christ to the entire world. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, why don't we stand and we'll pray and then we'll spend some time in fellowship. Again, um, Sunday morning, we're going to be here. So spend your time with your family and enjoy Christmas. But if you, if you want to, if you're inclined to be here uh, with us Sunday morning, we're going to be here and uh, worship the Lord together and examine the coming of Jesus again.
So, Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to be together. We pray that you would be with our brothers and sisters who are unable to be here with us. Minister to them, Lord. Give them a wonderful evening of preparation and celebrations with their families and their friends. Safe travels to the places that they're going. I think of uh, those who are out of state right now, Lord. Pray that they would be bound together with the body of Christ, celebrating your coming. We thank you for the gift of your Son and ask that you would wash away the sinfulness of our flesh, that we would be focused and mindful of your spirit and your work and your fulfillment in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.